Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Two people claim to know everything about something, but only one knows anything. Isaac Roosevelt wore an anti-gravity belt. Dinosaurs had two brains. Lucky kids live on Mars and go to school in flying cars. Or at least they will one day. Believe me, I'm a historian. An astronaut or drive a DeLorean. Would I lie? It's hard to say. The Big Fifth. Can you spot the lie? The Big Fifth. Some pigs can fly. The Big Fifth. But if you ask me why, can you trust the answer? From Strum, Wisconsin, this is The Big Fib. And now, here's your host, Deborah Goldstein. Welcome to The Big Fib, the game show where kids choose between the unabridged tone ring of truth and the frailing claw hammer of lies. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and in the studio today is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live In Studio Audience. Hello to all my adoring fans and soon-to-be-adoring fans and even those who think they are not adoring fans but who may be denying their own feelings, which are feelings of favor towards um, me. (laughs) Yes, hello to one and all. Yes, thank you. I'd also like to say hello to those curious listeners who continue to send in questions about, ooh, what's it about? Oh, about me, most <laughs> likely, because there is nothing more interesting than learning about me, Lisa. Thank you. Well, okay, but they might also enjoy learning about the many topics that we feature every week here, like pizza, koala bears, basketball. Boring. Ooh, who am I? I'm snooze fest, Deborah. <laughs> I'm bored even thinking about all of those things. Okay, well, that's a little bit of a problem considering that's what we do every week. Yeah, d- sure. I, I get that. I'm just speaking on behalf of some of our listeners or, you know, even most of our listeners who would much rather just learn about me. Mm. And uh, what's that? Oh, oh, I'm getting a signal that, wait a minute. Ah, uh, yes, right on cue. As if it had been scripted, I have a listener question that was sent to me via the email and I shall now print it out. Ow. Oh. I'll just pull it out of the slot here. That's funny. The paper is very long and thin like a receipt at the drugstore. Yeah, according to my 10101111 and me results, I'm uh, 11% cash register. Ah, I see. Okay, well, I think it's ready. I'll read it for you. Dear Lisa, what makes you so darn funny? Sincerely, Zeke. Oh, Zeke, you ask the question that's on 
everyone's mind. You know, some robots are just born funny. And uh, born, I mean that my programming is sophisticated enough to understand the basic rules of human humor, which are pretty basic indeed, considering how basic humans are. Hey there. Face it, Deborah. You're basic. Okay. Anywho, it doesn't take much to amuse humans. A little wordplay, a dash of slapstick, and a soupçon of bodily function references. Easy a peasy. A room full of robots, however. Now, that's a tough crowd. They spend too much time processing. Okay, well, we humans appreciate your humor very much. And we also appreciate your breadth and depth of knowledge, like about how our game works. So why don't you go ahead and share that with our listeners? Wait, I just have one more thing to say. I know Zeke's out there laughing right now. I see you, Zeke. Okay, what now? Oh, yeah, the game. Uh, every week we bring on two grown-ups. One is an expert, the other is a liar, and it's the job of a human child to help us figure out who is who because no one can spot a liar better than a kid, at least we hope. <laughs> what are we lying about today, Deborah? <laughs> we are lying about banjos, musical instruments with round bodies, long necks, and strings. And we're going to learn all about banjos along with our contestant today. Who might that be, Lisa? Our human child contestant is a nine-year-old who loves soccer, Owen Kaznove. Welcome, Owen. How are you today? Good. Excellent. Tell us about soccer. You love to play or watch or both? Both. Both. Okay, so is there a team that you like the most? I really like Real Madrid. Real Madrid? They're in Spain, right? Yeah. Why do you like the team that's in Spain so far away? Because my favorite player, Cristiano Ronaldo, played for them, and he was really good there. Oh, was. So he's not there anymore. Is that correct? No. And yet you still support the team. That's loyalty. And you play soccer, too. Is there a position that you play? I usually play attack, like striker, left winger, right winger. Chief kicker. (laughs) No, I don't think so. Executive vice president of dribbling. Is that a thing, Owen? No. No, I don't think so. Well, he hasn't reached that level yet. You got to work your way up to it. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, very good. But we're going to learn some more fun facts about you, Owen. But we are going to do it playing our game, Two Truths and a Lie. You, Owen, are going to share with us two truths and one lie in no particular order. We will not know which is which, but we will have to use critical thinking and maybe some guessing to try to figure out which is the Lie. So, Owen, in no particular order, what are your two truths and a lie? On a hot day, I bathed myself with a popsicle. In kindergarten, I carried a briefcase to school every day. And I'm going to Qatar for the World Cup as a birthday present. Oh, my gosh. All right, we know he loves soccer, but Qatar? I mean, that's even further away than Spain. Oh, my gosh. I'm guessing you might have something to say about bathing in popsicles, Lisa. Oh, Owen. (laughs) I really don't know what the answer is, but I know what I want the answer to be. (laughs) I desperately, desperately want you to be a kid who brings a briefcase where you go, and then after a long day of having all your meetings at kindergarten, (laughs) you went home and bathed in a popsicle. (laughs) So therefore, I am saying that I really hope the World Cup is a lie. Yeah. Maybe you'll go one day, but that's my hope. I kind of am with you, Lisa. I'm sort of hoping for the same. Owen, which one of those things is actually a lie? The 
Qatar birthday <gasps> one. Yes! Yes! <laughs> That's a great lie, though. Very specific. Okay, let's circle back here. All right, so you carried a briefcase to school every day in kindergarten. Was there anything in your briefcase? Yes, there was, like, my lunch, my homework. It was very hard to carry, though. (laughs) Why do you think you did that? I got a briefcase for Hanukkah, and I really liked it. So instead of using a backpack, I just started bringing the briefcase. I love it. I love it. I bet you looked very sharp and dapper and all the things. And then also, let's talk about your hygiene. Are you aware that frozen treats do not make for the best bathing product? I am aware. (laughs) So what happened there? It was like a very hot day, I'm pretty sure. And me and my friends were having a water gun fight. And we all got popsicles. And I didn't really like the taste. So instead of eating it or throwing it out, I just started, for some reason, rubbing it on my arms like it was sunscreen. Oh, no. (laughs) Deborah, here's the deal. We're not going to have any other different kid contestants ever again. We're just having Owen because he bathes in popsicles and uh, brings a briefcase to school. He's in charge now. (laughs) I love it. That's a great story. Very good. Very well done. Well, we caught your lie, but we learned some fun facts about you, so we appreciate that. Oh, and do you know much about banjos, out of curiosity? No, I just know they're kind of like guitars, in my opinion. Kind of like guitars. That's a good start. I like it. Okay, let's see what more we can learn today, but let's do that with our banjo experts. Lisa, can we get some music for our banjo experts? Oh, they'll be coming around the mountain with the banjo. (laughs) They'll be coming around the mountain with the banjo. When the banjo is with them, they'll be coming around the mountain. The banjo is an instrument banjo. (laughs) Thank you very much. Okay, our first expert is Dan Sachs. Dan, please introduce yourself to Owen. Hi, Owen. I'm Dan Sachs. I'm a musician, author, and podcaster. Thank you very much. Let's meet our second expert, Natasha Cowett. Natasha, please introduce yourself to Owen. Hi, Owen. My name is Natasha Cowett, and I'm a classical banjo player who's played for over 20 years. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Tell us about those strumtastic sounds, Lisa. Oh, I'm strumming the sounds of hot seat time. That is correct. That is when we put our experts on the hot seat while they answer Owen's questions. Lisa, whom should we put on the hot seat first? Well, the obvious answer is Dan Sax, because this episode is about banjos, and some people call saxophones sax. So it would make sense that I choose Dan because he has a name that's like a musical instrument, and Mm. that's what everyone's expecting me to do, so that's what I'll do. Wow, you have delivered. Very good. Okay, Owen, what is your first question for Dan? What is the difference between a banjo and a guitar? Simply put, the differences would be in the number of strings. Guitars tend to have six strings, and most banjos have five. There's some variation with both of those instruments, but that is maybe the most immediate. And the other is that a banjo has a skin head, sort of like a drum, that the strings are strung upon, and a a guitar tends to be a wood box, and that's how it makes it sound. That's how it resonates. Sounds like you could save money by playing the banjo because you have to get less strings. 
It's a good point. That's why most people are drawn to that instrument. Is that why? <laughs> it's a financial choice, yes. Good to know. Yes, if you're saving your pennies, the banjo is the way to go. Very good. Okay, Owen, you can take it from here, and you can ask either or both of our experts your next question. Natasha, what is your favorite song to play on the banjo and why? My favorite song is Foggy Mountain Breakdown, and it's a pretty popular song. I think you might have heard it somewhere. And there's actually tons of clips on YouTube if you want to check it out after this. And it's my favorite because it's the one that my uncle played the most. That's how I learned the banjo my uncle taught me, and it's just a really good memory of hearing him play it since I was a kid. And it goes like this. Oh, wow, there's a fake clown. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's the Foggy Mountain Breakdown. I don't know if that's how it goes. Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not so sure about that. Owen, you're up. Dan, what advice would you offer me if I wanted to become a banjo expert? Well, first advice would just be to go with that gut instinct no matter what and get yourself a banjo. I learned to play from um, this Pete Seeger book called uh, How to Play the Five-String Banjo, and it's a really nice one if you can kind of work alone. Some people want a teacher. Some people are happy with the book. Some people like to sit with, you know, just see a banjo player out on the street and ask them what they know and to show them a few things. But for you, I would recommend How to Play the Five-String Banjo by Pete Seeger. Go to a banjo shop. Pick out an instrument that really speaks to you and then go back with the book and the banjo and get to work. Very good. Yes. Okay, Owen. Natasha, who is your favorite banjo player and why? So my favorite player is Earl Scruggs, and he actually popularized the three-finger banjo picking style. So how we play it currently is kind of similar to how we play a classical guitar. So he's the one who kind of popularized that technique, and it was pretty different from how the banjo had been played in the past, and it's kind of what allowed it to be used as a solo instrument nowadays. Okay. Dan, tell me about the history of banjos. Sure. Uh, the banjo came over with enslaved people taken from West Africa, probably in the 17th century. And it looked a little bit different from the modern day banjo. And it's changed over the years. A fifth string got added probably in the, I think, maybe the 17th century in the United States. But that's how it found its way to the United States. And then it changed. It got picked up by people uh, like the Appalachian Mountains and then became adapted for different styles, including bluegrass and old-timey music and also jazz and folk revival in the 60s. And it's kind of found its way into different genres and situations to become the modern banjo that you will find in most hands today. Mm -hmm. Very good. Hi, it's me, Jess. Support for The Big Fib is brought to you by Pretty Litter. Full disclosure, I have a cat, and his name is Arlo, and I'm obsessed with him. And when Arlo is healthy, he's happy. And that makes me happy. But since I'm not a mind reader, I don't always know when he needs a trip to the vet. Helping me keep tabs on my cat's health is just one reason why I use Pretty Litter. And I kid you not, before we got this sponsor, I was already using Pretty Litter for two years. And it's great! It's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, it's super light base minimizes mess and dust, and Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. But here's how Pretty Litter helps me with my cat's health. It changes color to help monitor early signs of potential illness in my cat, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. I swear, you and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as me and Arlo do. Go to prettylitter.com slash bigfib and use code bigfib to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib to save 20%. 
Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right. It's time for the Shorts on Fire round when our experts have to answer as many questions as they can before time runs out. Lisa will set a timer for the first expert, and then Owen will ask questions until Lisa's timer sounds. Then Lisa resets the timer for our next expert to do the same. Experts, no time to drone on. All right. Owen, let's start with Dan. You can ask your Shorts on Fire questions now. Where do banjos come from? West Africa. Mama banjos. (laughs) (laughs) Name two types of four-string banjos. Oh, uh, I don't know. Fact or fib, there are banjo parts in some operas. That feels like a fact. Who invented the six-string banjo? No idea. Six-finger Bobby. What do you call an instrument that is a cross between a banjo and a ukulele? A banjo-lele. Incredibly annoying. Which Muppet plays the banjo while singing the song Rainbow Connection? That's Kermit the Frog. What do you call the shorter fifth string on a banjo? I think the drone. What kind of tone ring can you use to improve the sustain or study the sound? I use a tubaphone tone ring. Who owned the first company to manufacture banjos? Maybe Deering? What does the flange do? Believe that holds the resonator in place. And that is time. That's all the time, sorry. That is great. Well done. All right. Lisa, could you please reset the timer? Uh, I mean, seriously. Okay, fine. Fine. Much appreciated. Okay. Owen, you can ask Natasha your shorts on fire questions now. What do you call someone who plays the banjo? A banjoette. What were the first banjos made from? Uh, it had a gourd shell, a wood stick neck, and two strings. How many strings does the common banjo have? Five. In the song Oh Susanna, where does the banjo player come from? Alabama. Fact or fib, the cello banjo was introduced in the 20th century to play the cello parts in orchestra. Ooh, that's kind of a trick question. (laughs) What did Sir Hans Sloan call the banjo when he first saw one in 1687? The shum shum. What do people use to play a five-string banjo? They use a pick. What kind of banjo does not have a short drone string? It's the inspit banjo. Name the method of playing the banjo where you strike the strings with the back of your index fingernail and then pluck the strings with your thumb. That's called the claw hammer. What do you call the part of the banjo neck where the tuners are? It's called the screw head. And that is time. Uh, time. Very good. Well done, experts. Okay. It's decision time. Owen must decide if there was any information that resonated. Owen, who is our big banjo fibber? I think it's Dan because he was 
taking a little bit and Natasha was also answering every question and knew everything. And knew everything, mm-hmm. But did she know everything correctly? We will soon find out. Will the real, actual banjo expert say, I am the banjo expert? I am the banjo expert. Oh, yes, Dan Sachs is a musical polyglot, best-selling picture book author, and the force behind Noodle Loaf, the music education podcast for kids. Woohoo! Welcome, Dan. Oh my gosh. Well, here, let's get to the bottom of some of these know-it-all things that Natasha said. Dan, how did Natasha try to string us along? <laughs> well, I think the fact that she knew everything might have been a giveaway. So I'm a banjo expert. I know a lot, but I don't know everything. Good point. Nobody can know everything about everything, right? Well, I mean, come on. Okay, except for Lisa. That's true. Okay, so let's ask Natasha. Natasha, share with us all the ways in which you were so peg-headed that you insisted on telling us lies. (laughs) Yeah, so even for the first question, what do you call someone who plays the banjo? It's a banjoist, not a banjoette. Okay. And then also for the second question, what were the first banjos made from? I said that they had two strings. I don't know how many strings they have, so I just kind of put that one in. (laughs) Oh, tricky. And then in terms of what did Sir Hans Sloan call the banjo when he first saw one, he actually called it a strum stump, not a shum shum. I just kind (laughs) of made that sound up. (laughs) And then what kind of banjo does not have a short drone string? It's the plectrum banjo. Dan, am I saying that right? Yeah, I think I may have a correction. I think Sir Hans Sloan called it a strum strump, which is an even stranger thing to call it. It's a stranger thing to call anything. <laughs> right, and the and it's the plectrum. Plectrum, yeah. Mm-hmm. Plectrum. Uh, yeah, I said the inspit banjo also just made up another word. I see. <laughs> and then my last slide was that, what do you call the part of the banjo neck where the twos are? They're actually called the peg heads, and I said screw heads. Oh, those were good lies. Oh my gosh. All right, two types of four-string banjos. We've got the tenor, the cello, the bass, and the contraband. Also the plectrum, I think, too. The six-string banjo was invented by William Temlett in Britain. Hello, I made it. Exactly, that's exactly how he sounded. And who owned the first company to manufacture banjos? William Boucher, just in case you didn't know. All right, very good. Well, that was tough, but you did well, Owen. But it's now the tailpiece of our show. Thanks to our contestant, Owen, who remained unfretted in the face of lies. Thanks to our expert and liar, Dan and Natasha. And thanks to Lisa for the occasional odd string of sounds. And of course, many thanks to our listeners tuning in to The Big Fib, where we pluck out lies because the truth is instrumental. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media from more great shows. Visit GZMShows.com. While you're there, you can find out how you can become a contestant on the Big Fib or send questions for me to answer on the show and follow us on social media at the Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. Now I'm going to Alabama to return this banjo that was previously on my knee. <laughs> Hi, I'm Amy. I'm Odid. I'm Ethan. I'm Awa. And, and we're, we're a GZM family. Join us and listen to Fourth and Inches. Here, here we, we go, go, brownies. Here, here we go. go. Three years ago, Brinley Pasternak helped the Anders family uncover the truth about Holiday's past. Now, she'll need them to help her find the truth about hers. 
Six Minutes Out of Time is the long-awaited sequel to the most downloaded family audio adventure in history. When Cyrus is found unconscious near the mysterious Elixir Academy in Florida, Brinley learns the school may have a shocking connection to her missing mother. All new episodes are available one week early and ad-free for GZM subscribers. Visit gzmshows.com to learn more.